Rose Podcast. Nick Harold is the Redskins partner, and Joshua Johnson. I'm here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Bowl, presented by the Dynasty Football Wheel. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse podcast. I'm not sure what happened to the end of that uh, musical montage there. That was kind of weird. But anyway, I am Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick Hale to the Redskins. Wagner, what is up, my friend? Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, we're getting towards the end of our 16-team draft. I think we're in round 39 now. I've only got one pick left. Feeling pretty good about that team, though. How are you doing today, Josh? Yeah, well, feeling pretty good until Trey Flowers went off the board. I was in a nap and was my last pick, but... Uh, Oh, we'll get over it, I suppose. I still have I still haven't drafted a kicker, but I don't know if I necessarily need to draft one. It's not like I can't pick one up before the season starts. <laughs> once I get a few of a uh, few uh the too many linebackers I drafted, once I get the that depth chart sorted out there, we'll uh, we'll make a decision there, I think. But uh I guess I don't really see a point in drafting one because it's not like anybody's going to hold two, right? So, uh, I just don't like kickers. But anyway, uh, i got a great show for you today. Uh, I'm going to do a little Dynasty trade analysis, as always. Uh, best number 19, uh, Dynasty Dilemma. We'll have uh, Brian Quick versus Tyler Lockett. Um, we have a 2016 uh, linebacker prospect from Southern Nazarene University named Larry Butler stopping by in about a half hour. We're going to chat up with him and see see what he's got planned for his season and how far we can get him up in the draft. Uh, after that, Nick's going to uh, rant. You're going to want to stick around for that. Uh, I'll talk about Trey Mason's value in the trade market. Um, do a little plant your flag and wash your hands, part three of our series here. And then we're going to get to some, uh, well, questions from the forum, which has actually turned into bold predictions. I was going to do an awesome musical uh intro for that but i i lost time actually i got a little distracted i got some i got some music clips for wash your hands and uh plant your flag there nick i spent about a half hour making two music clips so they're probably seven seconds combined <laughs> uh doing all kinds of uh sound effects and whatnot so uh look forward to that look forward to be amazed by that a little bit later as we get into that but let's get to some uh some dynasty trade analysis here um Sorry, I don't have the right screen up for that. Um, but anyway, thank you for listening to the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Uh, actually, I do have one quick announcement here. DFW uh, uh, Speed Bump Challenge is starting. This is uh, brought to you by uh, our good friend Alan Satterley at uh, DFW, who is actually going to be on with me next week. Um, make sure you check that out. Uh, Starting the Speed Bump Challenge, it's now in the eighth year. It is a free contest. You do not need to be a member of DFW to view or vote in this contest. That is very crucial. Um, it's a series of fantasy football questions pitting NFL stars against each other with, where, where participants can vote on who they think will have, be a better player in 2015. The polls will be released daily starting July 6th to August 4th, and they are available to anyone who visits the site. Answers will be locked on 8:31, so you can... If you miss a question or are gone for a couple of days, you can go back and, and redo them. Just finish, visit DynastyFootballWarehouse.com homepage for official poll questions and submit your answers. Uh, the odds are basically, I don't even know how, this is a huge number, but uh, I, something, 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 something to win. It's pretty impossible to get them all right, so don't be discouraged or if you have a hard time picking an answer. The winner will receive an American Express gift card worth $100, uh, not to mention fame and glory from the Dynasty Football Warehouse Speed Bump champion at the end of the year. Uh, Alan will be having the question. I think Alan might be posting the question early or sometime during the show here. So if I get that question, I'll, I'll put it out. Otherwise, it's going to start July 7th. So make sure you 
tune in for that, answer questions, and hey, win a hundred bucks, no pressure, and it's free. So, uh, um, I forgot to mention last week we did not have a uh, Devonte Adams trade, Nick, which was a change of pace. But of course, John Brown it seems to be the guy creeping in nowadays. Uh, somebody traded John Brown and received a 2016 first-round pick, and a 2016 second-round pick. Obviously, some people have a little different value on John Brown. Um, If I would have just relented during the DFW 36 draft, I probably would have got him for just the third-round pick. Um, I did not. I had other plans in mind and ultimately lost out on him. But uh, what do you think of that? Seems like crazy value for John Brown. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm high on John Brown personally, but not that high on him. A first and a second round pick, that's just too much for me to give up. And, you know, maybe this person had a, a few extra picks there that they thought they could push this deal over the top. I mean, this is the same league where uh, Dan got John Brown and, and a couple other players for uh, Mike Evans. So just... A little bit different of value there placed on John Brown. Um, I like him too, but I think he's certainly a couple of years away from being a major contributor. So uh, if you, if you, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that the thought process involved in this trade, but it seems like a pretty good deal for the guy that got a first and a second round pick for basically a third wide receiver. A wide receiver three on his own team, not a wide receiver three in the same. Uh, Amari Cooper for Jordan Matthews, Brashard Perryman, and a 2016 second-round pick. Wow, these crazy trades this week. What do you think about that one, Nick? Yeah, again, I think that's just way too much to give up. I think Jordan Matthews is in for a breakout year, stepping into the possibly getting seeing the same amount of targets as Macklin had last year in that Philadelphia offense. So, yeah, I would not have given up that much for Amari Cooper. Very talented young man, but just that's too much to give up. Yeah, I mean, Amari for Jordan Matthews is probably a fair deal, or Amari for Perryman and the pick is probably a fair deal. But, uh, yeah, Jordan Matthews, that's just that's just crazy. Um, Jordan Matthews for Amari Cooper, that's, I'm even on the fence about trading Jordan Matthews there. You've got a, one guy with a year under his belt. and Amari Cooper, let's face it, there's still some people very hesitant about the Raiders. I think as far as rookie drafts went, everybody went Cooper over White, but some people are not necessarily uh, – all in on Cooper, and maybe they're just Bears fans. But I don't know. It's it's uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty one sided trade there. I think uh, Jordan Matthews on the move again here. DFW forty eight. Jordan Matthews, Devin Smith, and a two thousand sixteen second round pick for Jordy Nelson, and a two thousand thirteen third round pick. Oh, these trades do not seem very fair today. What do you think, Nick? Um, I like the side that got younger in this. You know, I, I you know, Jordy Nelson's got a few good years left in him, but Jordan Matthews has a lot more years than Jordy Nelson has left. We just talked about how how high we are on Matthews. So the fact that you picked up a stud like Jordan Matthews, a flyer on a young receiver like Devin Smith, and got to move up a one round in next year's draft. I, I like the side that got younger in this trade. Yeah, most definitely. I mean I would if you're gonna offer me Jordan Matthews for Jordy Nelson, I would take that all day. And then now you're giving me a second-round pick and Devin Smith, yeah. Just not a – pretty one-sided deals today. Uh, okay, we got a big in here. Kadeem Carey, Demarius Thomas. Some people like to call him DT. I think that's too confusing because he's not a defensive tackle. Uh, 2016 third-round pick and, and another 2016 third-round pick for LeGarrette Blunt. LaShawn McCoy in a 2016 – First round pick. What are your thoughts there, Nick? I think this is probably a fairly even deal on both sides. You know, Demarius Thomas at the top five receiver, and LaShawn McCoy, at least for this year, is probably a top five back. So, you know, both teams probably filled holes. The one team needed a receiver, the other team needed running backs. Got not only McCoy, but LeGarrette Blount, who is probably the favorite to start most weeks in New England, you would think. So I think it's pretty even on both sides. Yeah, obviously, Kadeem Carey, just to throw in on this. Um, McCoy, get McCoy and Blunt for for Thomas and a third-round pick. And you get it. So, Blunt, excuse me, Blunt and McCoy and a first-round pick for Thomas and a third-round pick. I think that's a pretty pretty fair deal. Um, yeah, I, I don't – I like the – I'm not huge on LaShawn. Or blunt, unfortunately, but you are getting a first round pick, and you're giving up just giving up Demarius Thomas. I'm, I would imagine if you're giving up Demarius Thomas, 
you probably have a pretty nice wide receiver core besides him, and you need help with your running back. So that seems like a pretty pretty reasonable trade here. So um, moving on to best number 19 in NFL history. What do you got for us, Nick? Well, don't worry, Lions fans. Scott Mitchell did not make the cut. So we're going to start out with the kicker, Tom Dempsey. <laughs> uh, the kicker, Tom Dempsey, who hit a 63-yard field goal back in 1970. That actually wasn't bested until 2013, and he did that despite being born with only half a foot. Moving on, uh, former number one overall pick, Keyshawn Johnson, Keyshawn Johnson went to three Pro Bowls, had 814 catches. That puts him in the top 30 of all time. More importantly, he was a big part of the Tampa Bay Super Bowl run before wearing out his welcome with the coaching staff there with the Buccaneers. Next up, Bernie Kosar led Cleveland Browns to two AFC championship games. I repeat, Bernie Kosar led the Cleveland Browns to two conference championship <laughs> games. Yeah, surprisingly to me, he only had one Pro Bowl, but he actually only had three seasons where he finished with a winning record. And just like that, we're down to two names. Lance Allworth, Hall of Famer, seven straight AFL All-Star appearances, uh, 1963 AFL Player of the Year. Three times he led the league in either receiving, receiving yards, or receiving yards per reception, and 10th all-time in yards, uh, re- receiving yards per game. That's pretty darn good. But even the great Lance Allworth can't top Johnny Unitas, who to some old-timers still is the greatest quarterback to ever play. This guy was a three-time MVP, ten-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro, led the league in passing yards four times, passing touchdowns four times, and his 290 touchdowns ranked ninth all-time. Unitas was actually a ninth-round pick by the Steelers, but didn't even make their team. And then the next year, in 1956, he got a job with the Baltimore Colts. He got off to a pretty rough start there. 0-2 with one interception in uh, relief duty, his first uh, appearance with the Colts. And then when the starter got hurt a couple weeks later, Johnny's first pass was an interception for a touchdown. You could say he rebounded nicely, though, to the tune of 118 regular season wins. That's good for seventh all-time among quarterbacks. Another fun fact about him, Johnny Unitas was the head coach of the Dallas Knights in the movie Any Given Sunday. Did you know that, Josh? I did not know that. I have. Not, I don't think I've seen that whole movie. Um, yeah, Allworth and and uh, Unitas are the main guys in the Hall of Fame that wore the number 19. Allworth was certainly a spectacular player. but uh, uh, and, and I certainly saw him during my... Uh, boyhood of watching the NFL films nonstop. But when I saw Johnny Unitas the first time on NFL films, uh, I, I I was changed. He just had a, he had kind of a different throwing style, but he just had so much zip on the ball. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. You just have to see it. It's kind of that three quarter arm, but he just seemed to have just some, there was something special about the way he threw a football. And for somebody from that era to rank, would you say ninth all time in touchdown passes or even, even with the guys today is pretty amazing. I mean, ironically, he's probably most famous for losing, losing to the Colts, but uh, he certainly won his, uh, his fair championships there. Excuse me, losing to the Jets, but he certainly won his fair share of championships there in Baltimore. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, you said old-timers consider him to, to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I think I still consider him. Even though I didn't really watch him play live, I was not around then, I, I have nothing but respect for the guy, and I and I think he certainly belongs in the top ten, maybe top five conversation of all-time quarterbacks right now if we're still in that realm. So that's what we got for you for best number 19. That's uh, uh, not a great number, but uh, love me some John Unitas. And I've been waiting to get – Excuse me, I've been waiting to get to this number because I, I just love talking about that guy. For some reason, like I said, being an NFL films dork my, as a child, I just have an absolute affinity for the guy. There's something just so, you know, nostalgic. He was really kind of one of the first, I don't know, he wasn't necessarily a pretty boy, but more, you know, he wasn't, you know, Bronco Nagurski or, or Otto Graham, but he, he just, I don't know, he just kind of had that first kind of, you know, sexy quarterbacks that everybody talked about that was really popular, you know, in pop culture. Maybe that's because of TV and whatnot, but he just seems to be the first. So love talking about Johnny Unitas for, for no reason at all. So let's get to our dynasty dilemma, Nick. Um, we do this every week. It's where we put a couple couple NFL players against each other, um, and uh, we debate on who we, we would rather have, basically. Um, it's one of those things where we're doing a lot of rookies against each other, but now we got a rookie against, a, I think, a three-year veteran today. 
So let's uh, let's get to that here. As we do Tyler Lockett versus Brian Quick, I had the chance to choose first, so I will go first. Uh, i got to start by telling a story. Uh, during a recent late-night film session, something hit me square in the face. No, it wasn't the half-melted ice from my cognac sniffer. I usually chomp on that. Uh, so anyway, it was wa- I was watching Amira do a tear-up USC on a kickoff return, and I remembered I was defending Tyler Lockett this week. Uh, the new Seattle utility wide receiver is what I'm going to call him. Also has made some gashing turns during his tenure at Kansas State. Uh, my brain wasn't totally numb from the booze yet, so I started in my head started spinning. Do guys that return kicks in college, Nick, have an advantage making the transition to the NFL? Returning kicks is a violent and fast action that requires immediate agility and very quick hips. Guys like Abdullah. Lockett, and maybe to a lesser extent, Mario Alford and J.J. Nelson may surprise a lot of people with their elusiveness early on. Now, Lockett specifically is a is a study in character, heart, and effort. I, I, you just need to watch two plays from this guy, and you're absolutely in love with him. His routes are crisp like bacon. Sorry, I got distracted by the word bacon there for a second. He will extend plays with his patient poise. He is the best wide receiver on this team, and now with Jimmy Graham drawing the safety spy, safety spy, he can torch the underneath. Both Lockett and QB Russell Wilson possess an amazing ability to buy time. It should be exciting to watch them make things happen. I know full well the recent history of the Seattle wide receivers, but that was then, and now Lockett is in town to explode fantasy predictions. Brian Quick, on the other hand, is a wide receiver, too, on his own team. And he might not even be a wide receiver three on any other team, maybe besides Kansas City or Cleveland. So what do you got for us and Mr. Quicknick? Well, yes, Tyler Lockett's a very popular player at DFW, but I'm not buying him fantasy-wise anyway simply because of the situation. Russell Wilson, as good as he is, just doesn't produce stud fantasy wide receivers. Name one since he's been there. Doug Baldwin is probably the closest. He only had 825 yards last year, and that's a career high. Also, Seattle showed last year with their second-round pick, Paul Richardson, that they like to work youngsters in slowly. Richardson only had one catch in his first four games and never went over 60 yards in a game last year. Now, if Richardson is healthy following his postseason ACL tear, then Lockett's going to have to contend for targets with him, Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse, and some guy that just came to town named Jimmy Graham. Uh, Russell Wilson, the ultimate game manager, likely won't produce any fantasy studs other than probably Grant. While Brian Quick looked like he was on his way to a breakout season in year three last year before a shoulder injury sidelined him from week seven on, at 53.5 yards per game, he would have had over 850 yards in 16 games. That's more than Baldwin had last year. Stedman Bailey, Kenny Britt, Kayvon Austin, these are decent players, but no one the caliber of Jimmy Graham to take targets away from him. Plus, at six foot three, Quick has the size to contribute in the red zone. Both players' ADP is uh, in the 11th round right now, so this isn't really about value. This is just a straight-up comparison. Now, normally in our dilemmas, even when you pick first, Josh, I still end up with the guy who I would have chosen, but that was not the case this year. Uh, I actually went into this figuring that I had to play the devil's advocate, but while doing the research, I realized that I was wrong, that I think Brian Quick actually is the better choice here. Okay. Well, I, I totally hear what you're saying, but I also think Tyler Lockett is not Paul Richardson. He is a separate player. And like I said, Seattle has not had a weapon like this. You're adding Jimmy Graham to the mix, but now you're just getting a a guy that you tell him to run a curl, and when Russell looks over to where he's supposed to be, you know he's going to be there. Not to take anything away from Curse or Baldwin or the other Lockett, I just think this is probably the best receiver they, they have had there. They don't seem to put a lot of stress on drafting receivers early, and that's fine. That's their philosophy. They've been successful. But I just I believe Tyler Lockett to be a very special player. You can't, you know, you can't 
compare their past history when he hasn't been there. I think he, you know, if we want to go back that route, let's look at another short receiver in Seattle that's been successful, and Steve Largent, who was uber successful. And that's really true in that spot. But I just think Lockett, Lockett has the talent, even if he, even if he is worked in slow, to be a very special player up there in Seattle. And I, I, I for one, if I was a DC coordinator in that division, I would be concerned about that because you're going to have to keep an eye up the middle for Marshawn. You're going to have to keep the safety over top of Jimmy Graham, and then somehow you're going to have to, what, chip lock it with a linebacker? I don't know. I don't know. Just, just doesn't make any sense. If you, um, so that was our Dynasty Dilemma for this week. If you want to go to DynastyFootballWarehouse.com and vote on that, you certainly can. Uh, hopefully you didn't vote until you heard us speak about it first. Um got a couple minutes here before Larry comes on. So why don't uh, why don't we why don't we do a couple bold predictions and then we'll do some more at the end. Actually let's let's actually listen to what the DFW Insider membership can do for you. DynastyFootballWarehouse.com is very excited to announce our Insider Membership. For just $29.99 per year, you get the Insider Membership plus our Rookie Draft Kit. Insider Membership itself is $24.99, just the Rookie Guide is $9.99. DFW is where Dynasty Football is a way of life. You can dominate your league for only $2 a month. Membership includes all access to Insider Articles, Dynasty, Redraft, Daily, IDP, which is over a thousand articles per year, up to three a day on average. Includes Dynasty expert rankings, updated monthly, average draft position data, 2015 projections, in-season weekly rankings and management, rookie draft room, and so, so much more. 24-7 access to DFW staff via email for roster management advice, trades, drafts, rebuilds, waivers, Commission assistance advice for bylaws, scoring, and setup on new leagues on MLF. The 2015 Rookie Guide is $10 a la carte or $5 when bundled with the Insider Membership with the PDL emailed to you. Expanded in 2015 to include more players, the Top 10 IDP, all crisply summarized with keynotes on every player and their background, main stats, strengths, weaknesses, and key college stats. 143 skill position, 106-page PDF, 41,000 words of rookie insight, plus 100 hours of research analyzed and boiled down for your NFL draft day enjoyment. Combines all recaps from skill positions at the combine, includes guide along updates after the NFL draft, adjustments made through training camp and preseason. All three membership options will get you entered into the multiple DFW contests and giveaways. Each will enter you into a, a raffle for a brand new iPod, which will be given away during halftime of Super Bowl 50 via third-party security raffle. You will get entry into DFW Week 1 Free Roll Tournament on FanDuel or DraftKings, where you, the winner will receive $200. You will also gain entry into the DFW Survivor Contest, where... Over the course of the 2015 season, the last team standing will also receive $200. Again, very excited to introduce the DFW Insider Membership. Just $30 a year. We got 10 of them for you this week coming from the DFW forums, and uh, we're going to do five now and maybe five at the end here. Um, Tevin Coleman will finish as a top 12 PPR back. What do you think, Nick? Uh, I got to sell that. Um, there's, You know, right now he's not even listed as the starter there. He's a uh, He's behind their uh, running backs they drafted last year, Devontae Freeman. Plus, I'm a little bit worried about that Atlanta Falcons offensive line. The fact that they're starting two castaways from the Washington offensive line, that's good. <laughs> oh. I was all ready to jump on uh, Tevin Coleman's back, and then you had to make that comment about the offensive line. Ah, what the hell, I go for it. I say yes. I feel like they're going to maybe help him feel help him acclimate a little bit by getting involved in that screen kind of swing, swing pass game. So 
I'm going to say yes. Tevin Coleman will do that. No Dallas Cowboys running back currently on the roster finishes as a top 12 PPR back, and their leading and their leading rusher is not currently on the roster. What do you think? Their leading rusher is probably on the roster. I, I'm going to say it's probably going to be uh, uh, Joseph Randall as long as he stays out of trouble, just because Darren McFadden can't stay healthy. But I'll buy the fact that uh, no Dallas running back finishes as a top 12 back. I just I think it's going to be a lot of running back by committee here in Dallas. Uh, I agree, too, and I think the, lead, the, the leading rusher is on this team. And I'm just going to go balls out and go for it. I'm going to say Lance Dunbar leads this team in rushing. Love that little guy. Um, the Jets' defenses, defense finishes ranked as the top fantasy defense. I think that is a possibility. Nobody is going to be surprised if that happens. And it's obviously a, a thing that people are all talking about now. Is, is, you know, is the defense that everybody's excited about all, every, all preseason – our off-season, the team that finishes first, usually not. Usually something happens, injuries happen. Um, but uh, I'm going to say they do. There's just not holes on this Jets defense. You know, you want to point to, like, maybe some of their weaker players. Who are some of their weaker players? They've got all the boxes checked this year. I'm not going to be surprised if they're the number one fantasy defense. What do you think? You know, if this question was uh, going to be in the top ten, I'd say definitely for sure. If they're if it was top five, yeah, probably they'll probably be a top five. If you're asking me to just take any defense against the field, I'm going to go with the field. Okay, I'm going to still go with the Jets. I'm that excited about it. Uh, Amari Cooper finished the season with over 100 catches. Uh, as a Raiders fan, I would like to say hell yes. But as a fantasy football uh, expert, writer, podcaster, whatever you want to call me, uh, I'd say probably, hell no, that's not going to happen. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, that's just tough to to say that a rookie is going to finish with 100 catches. The sky's the limit for Cooper, but 100 catches in his rookie year. Well, let's wait till year two before we start making that claim. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have said it before, uh, Derek Carr did produce had a college season, like a 13-game college season, where he had three wide receivers go over 100 yards. And all those wide receivers are currently in the NFL. That's uh, Isaiah Perth, who is uh, buried in the depth chart there in Denver. Josh Harper, who's currently on the Oakland roster. And, of course, Mr. Mister Trade-Friendly, Devontae Adams, who is up there in Green Bay. Um, I don't know if has any rookie ever caught 100 balls, Nick. That's That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'd have to look that one up. I would bet not. Um, last one, Brandon Cooks finishes as a wide receiver three, way worse than his current ADP. Uh, I think the only way that he finishes worse than a wide or finishes that low is if he gets injured again. If he stays healthy, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't at least be a wide receiver too. And that New Orleans offense, Kenny Stills is gone, Jimmy Graham is gone. They pretty much just have him and Colston to throw the ball to, and then CJ Spiller wouldn't Spiller's healthy out of the backfield. So uh, I'm going to sell that one. Yeah, I I, I agree. I. He, I mean, he think he caught something like 58 balls in 10 games last year. Um, obviously, you don't have to be a genius to do the math. That's 5.8 catches per season, and that was with Jimmy or per game. That's with Jimmy Graham and still, <laughs> excuse me, and Pierre Thomas on that roster. I, I don't, I don't get why why people unless like you like you said unless he gets injured that would happen again. Um, he's going to be a big part of this offense, um, and I think he could actually maybe even see some rushing attempts. I, I, I just maybe, maybe bring him, you know, like on third and long situations as kind of the, the back next to uh breeze and see what happens. That could be a, make for some interesting, uh, interesting defensive alignments or uh, challenges to try to stop that guy. Um, yeah. I, I think, where do you see cooks ended up Nick at the end of the year? Do you think he's top 20, top 30? What do you think? Yeah, top 20, I think. You know, with his size, he's probably never going to be a top five receiver. But, you know, I think top 20 is fair fair assessment. Well, you know, 
I don't know what his specs are as compared to like Andre, excuse me, Antonio Brown, but I think he's, you know, they're probably about the same height. I think Coop's, Cooper's maybe a little heavier, but uh, Cooks is maybe a little heavier. But I, I just, from what we saw in that little snippet from him last year, you got to you got to be excited. I know why people are drafting this guy early, and I think it's well warranted. You know, the injury was a freak thing. It's not not a, not something that's going to be reoccurring. I don't think so. I, I believe in this kid. Uh, so yes. Cooper, our Cooks will not finish as a wide receiver three, way worse than his ADP. Uh, we have Larry Butler on the phone. Larry, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. How are you doing today? Doing great. How are you all? Okay. It is uh, Larry Butler, inside linebacker, Southern Nazarene University. Is that um, is that NAI Division Three? Larry, is that correct? No, that's Division Two. Division Two. Okay. All right, cool. Sorry. Um, uh, obviously, if, if you haven't seen the film on Larry, you need to check it out. Uh, pretty dominant inside linebacker. A lot of buzz. A lot of people putting him, you know, in the top top middle linebackers going into the draft in 2016. So we're we're very happy to have Larry aboard today uh, to uh, to answer some questions for us. Larry, what? Uh, obviously, you know, the competition level is is something that's gonna you're gonna have to answer a lot of questions about and and I know you really can't necessarily say something you just have to go out there and kind of kind of prove your worth there uh what 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 do you you know what are some other challenges that you are seeing right now coming from coming from a division two school well uh some of the uh challenges is definitely getting exposure um you know, uh, a lot of people have reached out to me to do interviews and do articles just to get my name out there even more because being from a Division two school versus a, a top-tier Division one, I'm not on TV every week, so a lot of people don't get to see me and see uh, how how good I can play or how great great I am. So uh, just that's probably the biggest challenge I've been experiencing and uh, the lack of um, – the lack of resources that you endure at a Division two school, like you don't have um, access to top facilities and things of that nature. So I kind of have to spend some of my own scholarship money every now and then to get, you know, supplements like muscle milk or whatever, Gatorade and things like that. Okay. Nick, what do you got for Larry? Well, I was wondering how you were doing physically. I read you played through a broken hand with multiple fractures, so nobody can question your toughness. But is that all healed up and 100% ready to go for this year? Yes, sir, 100% healed. Okay. Um, as far as uh, who you who you liked growing up, is there a, is there a certain uh, player that you liked? And if it's, if that player isn't isn't a linebacker, is there a, is there a linebacker you try to pad in your game after? Yes, sir. Um, as a child, uh, kind of early in middle school, a guy I really liked was uh, Sean Taylor, the late Sean Taylor. He was uh, he was just a beast on the field. He brought so much passion, so much energy to the uh, to the game. And uh, how he plays, even to this day, you know, I try to emulate him in every way. And uh, uh, another guy I looked up to as a child was uh, Terrell Owens, just because we had similar childhoods, and he overcome, overcame a lot to um, become one of the greatest in history. And, uh, you know, his example has helped me out a lot. Okay. And is there, a, is there another a linebacker that you that you like there that uh, kind of you see maybe similarities to you in your game? Uh, currently, like, the scouts that I've talked to, they compare me to, like, Jeff Luke and uh, Denzel Perryman and, uh, Vontez Burfick as well, but I feel like I'm a little bit faster than those guys, so you know. But uh, that, those are kind of similar, I guess, in a way. Uh, well, since you went there with the with the speed, uh, obviously, forty time is not huge at your position, but I think it's one of those things that if it's a really good one, people take notice, or if it's a really bad one, people take notice. But uh, do you know, do you know where you're where you're hitting the forty at right now? Yes, sir. Uh, currently, I'm about a mid four six, but I feel like uh, following this uh, season, once I uh, get some training and just focus on working on my starts and everything, I think I'll be in the four or five range. 
Uh, I think a lot of quarterbacks are not going to like that, seeing that come up the middle, that's for sure. Uh, Nick, you got any other questions there? Uh, yeah, I know you're playing on the inside there in college, uh, but at the next level, what, what scheme and position do you think would be your most natural fit, like a 4-3 inside linebacker, 3-4 weak side linebacker? Where do you see yourself fitting most naturally? Um, I've actually been hearing from a lot of people, they said that ideally they could see me being a 3-4 weak side linebacker, like you said, just um, just so I could focus more on just, you know, uh, attacking from the backside and things like that. But I feel like I'm versatile enough to play in any kind of scheme. And uh, with my hunger and my motor, I feel like, um, you know, I'll be a factor in any in any uh, defense. Okay. Um, what's one thing, Larry, um, and I know you said your resources are limited, and obviously, obviously there's, you know, some, some film that's probably not uh, – not, not, Limit a little bit of limited there for you too. I know you're putting out what you can, but if what is something that we don't see on film that that you know, like maybe next year at your pro day or the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Bowl, if you if you make it to one of those, what is something that we're not going to see on film that we're gonna we're gonna be surprised by if we see you see you work out in person? Uh, the thing that I think when people watch me play is just um, just. Uh, just how I stand out, like, when they watch me play, they always talk about my intensity. They always talk about um, how I just look like a man amongst boys. And I'm not sure how that will be when um, when I – if I, I'm blessed enough to go to the Senior Bowl when I'm playing against top competition. I don't know how that will look. But, you know, I, I'm very confident in my abilities, and I think that when people watch me play, that, that those are definitely two things that help me stand out. Okay. Um, do you do you know was there was there scouts at your your games this year or is anybody saying they're coming to watch you this year? Or? Yes, sir. There was um <clears throat> there was two uh, NFL scouts that uh, came and talked to my coach last season, but he tries not to share that information with me so I could stay focused and things like that. So he plans to. Uh, he said that there's going to be a couple more that are going to come see me uh, during training camp when August rolls around. So I'm real excited for that. Okay. All right. Um, do you know the the history of your school? Has anybody from your school ever made ever made that jump to the NFL? Uh, we had one guy get invited to a rookie mini camp um, in 2013. But I don't I don't really know him too well at all. He uh he had graduated before I even enrolled in school at Southern Nazarene. Okay. All right. Uh Nick, any other questions there? Well, from the scouting reports I've read, they say the biggest thing you could improve on is uh pass coverage skills. What have you been doing this off season to work on that? I've been running I've been running drills every single day, sir. Uh working on uh you know, opening my hips, getting proper depth. Um, in the zone drops and uh, doing a lot, a lot of one-on-ones, making sure that, uh, you know, my footwork, my reaction is better. I don't feel like it's necessarily a weakness, but it's not really a strength either. And uh, hopefully uh, I'll have a lot more situations this season that I can showcase my coverage. Okay. Um, as far as, like, uh, in the huddle, are you are, – are you, how how are you responsible? Are you – are you calling plays? Are you are you able to maybe make some adjustments at the line, or is that something you're comfortable with at this point in time? Yes, sir. Um, I call all the plays as I'm pretty much the quarterback of the defense. Um, I make the audibles and the checks based on the formations that uh, that uh, based on the formations that I see pre-snap, and I make sure all my guys are lined up and ready to go. Um, is there a, like a, a not? familiar with your your divi- you know your conference or whatever your division is there a certain you know overall like favorable offensive scheme that you that you guys play against a lot I mean is there like uh, a, when, you know zone go ahead I wouldn't say that there's a favorable team that we play but um you know we're in one of the top tier conferences in division 2 um, the Greater American Conference. Uh, last season, we had three uh, teams ranked top ten nationally in uh, Henderson State, Wachita Baptist, and um, Harding University. So it's definitely one of the top conferences, and we're challenged week in and week out. Okay. Um, is there uh, is there any other like um, 
any other positions that you play? I mean, I know Nick asked about that your your transition earlier, but is there any other you know positions that you feel had that you have played or feel comfortable with playing there at the NFL level? Uh, yes, sir. Um, at points last season, past rushing situations, I was um, played some defensive end. And, uh, you know, I feel like I could be like a James Harrison type if need be for any team that uh, needs me to use my speed and rush and get after the passer. Yeah, you know, I would say with your speed, uh, you know, especially if you if you turn that over to 4-5, you know, like a nickel linebacker or, you know, especially making the transition, you'd probably have to probably have to pay some dues on special teams. But I think uh, I think your speed there would certainly yeah. Certainly help that along. Um, uh, anything, anything else out there that you would just, you know, you want scouts to know about you, and what, and what, you know, what you can bring to the table. Yes, sir. I just want that all the teams that happen to be listening that in Larry Butler the third, you're going to get a hard worker, a guy who's never going to be a problem in the locker room. A guy that loves, truly, truly loves the game of football. That's gonna be the first one in the weight room, last one out the weight room. You know, is gonna, you know, dedicate his life to your organization and to the game of football. And he's gonna be a Pro Bowl caliber player for the next ten seasons. Okay. Well, I think we can end it there. I don't think we can say anything better after that. So, uh, Larry, we we thank you so much for joining us, uh, and we wish you the best of luck. And if you're you know, able to come back and join us maybe next winter. We'd certainly certainly welcome you to be back there, sir. All right. All right. Thank you all very much for having me on. No, no, no problem. Thank you, Larry, and have a good day. Okay. Okay. Well, I told you later that you're going to want to listen to Nick Rance, and and he promised a good one this week. Um. So let's clear our minds. Open our hearts. I don't. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but let's just let's get to uh, let's get to Nick Rance as soon as I find the Nick Rance music. Jeez, uh, I was too too enthralled by Larry there. What what a what what a nice young man, and uh, certainly uh, certainly has a has a bright future ahead of him. Um, needs needs to get on one of those All Star games and and really prove that uh, he 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 belongs in that competition. But I I think that he will. So. Let's get to uh, Nick Rance. A couple controversial topics on Well, I want to issue a disclaimer. The views I express in my rants are mine and may not represent the views of others in the Dynasty Football Warehouse family. Normally, I just rant about football topics, somewhat uncontroversial in the grand scheme of things. But that is not the case this week. So I just wanted to be clear that these are my opinions and I have no idea if others at DFW agree or not. Now, along with most of the country, I was horrified at the tragedy at the church in South Carolina last week. It was truly appalling, but unfortunately it wasn't surprising to me that something like that happened. Let's face it, many people in this great country continue to glorify a symbol that stands for racism, treason, slavery, and the war that killed more Americans than any other war. I speak, of course, of the Confederate flag. It's mind-blowing to me that in 2015 that flag still flies not just on a few random bumper stickers, but on government property, courthouses. Hell, it's part of the Mississippi state flag. So, of course, when this racist symbol is an acceptable part of society, some individuals will think it's okay to turn their racist thoughts that appear to be condoned into violent actions. It's time to realize that one can both be proud of themselves and their heritage while also being aware of and condemning the evil actions of their ancestors. I get that people are proud of where they come from, but can't we come up with a better symbol for the South than the stars and bars? I don't know, maybe a flag with a phoenix shot from the Appalachian Mountains in the background with, I don't know, a bowl of grits in front. You know, as a northerner, I shouldn't be the one to decide a flag for the South, of course, but that's not the point. The point is that some government agencies still proudly fly a flag that embodies the idea that it was a good thing for people, that it was a good thing that people owned other human beings. And that just needs to stop for the good of our country. Racist symbols should not be celebrated, period. Which brings me to the second part of my rant. 
As a lifelong Washington Redskins fan, I do understand that sometimes people cling to tradition, even in the face of changing times. And while the team's name is not not offensive to as many Americans as the Confederate flag is, the fact that it is offensive to some Americans means it's probably time to change the name. Yes, it's likely a small number of people who object to the name, but remember, the largest genocide in history was the U.S. government exterminating Native Americans. Tens of millions of Native Americans were murdered by our government, so if that atrocity hadn't happened, the number of people offended by the name would be a lot higher. Now, I've been a Skins fan for as long as I can remember, and as long as they remain that, I'll still root for them. But they really should change the name, and I believe the reason they're not changing it yet is money. I can only speak for myself, but I won't support the team when they're the Washington Generals or whatever. Why would I? Dan Snyder has proven that he is unable to field a winning team for any length of time. Once the name that I identify with is gone, my support for the franchise will be gone too. Honestly, part of me looks forward to not having my spirit crushed every Sunday by the inept product on the field. It'll be kind of nice not having a team other than my fantasy teams, and I think that'll help me be a more unbiased observer. I will, however, always root against the Cowboys. That is as ingrained in me as the Josh? Uh, yeah, you really can't shift to a, a different team in that division. I think a lot of people would be surprised there. Um, but I know I, I know Mark T. Wilson would be happy to take you under an eagle wing any day of the week. But uh, uh, good stuff there. I couldn't have said it better myself, you know, especially, you know, with, with the Confederate flag. And, and tying it all together there with the Redskins name, is cert, uh, you know, name change is certainly something that, uh, you know, is, is a good is a good parallel. And it's you know, if you do, if you don't know, if you didn't remember or didn't quite listen to all of that, Nick is a Washington Redskins fan. So, and he's he is finally flipping to to the name change, and uh, gonna have to send him some silver and black, I think. Uh, oh wait, you don't like to get your spirit crushed every Sunday. I'm sorry. Um, maybe Dan will send you some purple. Oh, I'm in purple. But anyway, uh, good rants. Uh, all all good points, and uh, certainly not. Not a view that I have looked at from the whole Washington Redskins standpoint. So, I mean, I I don't think the name was ever made to offend anybody when it when you know going back to the roots when they were the Boston Redskins. But uh, you know, you know, like you said with the Confederate flag, if if uh, you know, time has obviously things have obviously changed. You know, just because our ancestors believed one way or your ancestors believed one way doesn't mean that time will not change that and we just maybe have to time maybe it's time to recognize that here if we go forward into the uh new millennium so definitely definitely good stuff there uh uh yeah really good stuff so let's get to plant your flag or wash your hands um so like i said earlier i spent about 30 minutes making two set two clips that total seven seconds so I'm just going to play them right now in case we don't get to them. So this is this is what we're going to hear when it's time to wash your hands. That doesn't sound as cool as it sounded before this. But anyway, I'll, I'll mention that. And that was Plant Your Flag. That was New Hampshire Governor. Bernie Saunders saying, plant your flag, and uh, I maybe need to turn that down a little bit. But anyway, maybe the, maybe those aren't good enough to do. But anyway, let's get to plant your flag or wash your hands. So first one to you, Nick, Richard Sherman. Well, I'm going to wash my hands. Richard Sherman might be the best in the game, but the best cornerbacks don't get tested enough to be fantasy-worthy. You look at DFW's top 72 uh, defensive backs, there's 13 corners listed. Sherman is not one of them. If you have him, try to trade him to somebody who will overpay because of the big name value. Mm. Good point. I just Something in the back of my hand doesn't want to release him right now. Well, I mean, what if people see you know, the injury that he occurred that occurred to him last year as as a thing that they can maybe take advantage of. They try to, you know, go to the inside route against him or whatnot. So I I I don't I'm on the fence. I'm glad I didn't have to decide that one. What what which one you got for me? Oh let's start off with Jacob Tammy who's found a new home in Atlanta. Okay. Um 
interesting move Atlanta going going with Tammy. Uh, very intriguing, actually. Um, Levine Tolafolio. Um, not sure how to say their current tight end's name, but he is basically not a receiving tight end. Um, Tammy is a well-rounded veteran who could be very, very serviceable in Atlanta. Um, however, they do have uh, there has been a Tony Milwaukee sighting in Atlanta too, a guy that I just can't give up on, and I feel feel like he could maybe usurp Tammy because uh, he's slightly faster and maybe just a little better of a pass catcher. But if you're rostering any of these Atlanta running backs, you're really digging deep for a tight end. Um, if you own Tammy already, I would suggest holding on to him to see what the summer brings. Or you could go grab Andrew Corvus or Jason Love. Uh, but as, as for right now, I am holding, not planting, my flag on Tammy. Um, Marquise Wilson, Nick, what do you got? Well, I'm going to wash my hands. This guy is a seventh-round pick. He's got under 20 catches in his two years. This guy is super skinny, 6'4", 184, so I don't know if he can hold up to every down work. He's probably behind Alshon Jeffrey, Kevin White, Eddie Royal on the depth chart. Plus, you got Matt Forte out of the backfield, Martellus Bennett at tight end, who had 900 yards last year. You know, personally, the only way I'd plant my flag with Marquise Wilson right now is if I was counting on Kevin White this year. I could see maybe keeping Wilson as a handcuff in case White struggles to get playing time as a rookie, the way Cody Latimer did last year under John Fox, who's now in Chicago. But under normal circumstances, I'm going to wash my hand. Yeah, probably a fair guesstimate there. Um, you know, he he's not small or quick enough, I think, to be a slot guy. So he basically profiles as Alshon Jeffrey's backup. Um, and, you know, a handcuffing him with White or for White or Jeffrey is probably not a bad idea. But, uh, yeah, you're not you're not spending too much money on this guy, that's for darn sure. Um, uh, what do you got for me? Oh, uh, let's go with another receiver there in Chicago, Eddie Royal. Okay, yes. We have a former a former bear receiver coming up later, too. Um, as for now, Royal appears to be the slot man in Chi-Town, according to Pro Football Focus depth chart. Uh, Wilson, you know, Wilson is certainly more of an outside guy, like I just said, uh, but he's going to he's gonna have to maybe push Royal to get snaps. I don't, I don't know if he can play like the slot guy, but uh, he's going to he's, – that's that seems like the only person that he could maybe even – try to get past on this depth chart. Um, but, uh, you know, and he, he has experience, but, it, but it's very little. Um, if anything, it was not a vote of confidence for Wilson that Royal was brought in. Uh, Royal's a nice player, uh, but seriously, good luck having him in your lineup when he has a big game. Uh, he, he seems to be – he was very sporadic during his time in Denver and uh, San Diego. So as for now, I am washing my hands because – he is an average veteran player in a new system, which does not excite me at all. Give me Cole Beasley, Malcolm Floyd, or Kenny Bell instead. So I'm washing my hands there of Eddie Royal. Um, so the next couple guys I have for Nick are, are, are some guys that you may be like, really, why would you even think about cutting these guys? But I, I think they're at least, even if they're certainly plant your flag guys, I think they're at least, at least worth addressing as far as – uh, their value. So what do you got for us on Mohamed Sanu? Oh, I'm going to plant my flag on Mohamed Sanu. Uh, right now in uh, his ADP, he's going behind guys like Jeff Janis, Rashad Green, Chris Matthews in startups. Uh, he had almost 800 yards and five touchdowns last year. And we really don't know if Marvin Jones is ever going to be the same after that foot and ankle injury that cost him all of last year. And really, Jones only has 69 career catches in 27 games. It's not like he's the second coming of A.J. Green, who had injury problems himself last year. I think there could definitely be opportunities for Sanu to shine this year. But Denarius Moore is on the roster. Um, uh, yeah, I don't get the whole Muhammad Sanu. I am I, – I love – and I, one, another thing, I love drafting this guy in mocks. Every time I draft him and, and my Twitter page shows that draft pick, he himself favors it. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, so draft Muhammad Sanu in your mock draft. Uh, but why is he going so white? I mean, he's the wide receiver, too, on this team. He has experience. They use him in creative ways. I mean, what what's the deal? Why does nobody like this guy? He's like, uh, you know, kind of Kenny Britt to a, to the same extent. You know, I, I understand they're in different situations, but I just, I don't get it. I, uh, 
I'm bummed I missed out on him, but uh, I think uh, I think he's a great player to have on your roster, especially dynasty roster. He's a young wide receiver. He's got five or six productive years ahead of him. I I, I don't get why people don't want this guy. I know it's dynasty and we get a little uh, little youth happy, but yeah, Ugh. interesting. Uh, what do you got for me, Nick? Well, I'll add one more thing to Sanu. I think a lot of the reason that he's going so late is people just dislike Andy Dalton so much, fair or not, that they take it out on his targets like Sanu. But uh, the next name I have for you is Bryce Brown, running back in Buffalo. Okay. Um, Oh, yes, the forgotten man in the crowded Buffalo backfield. Um, Does... It doesn't seem possible that Buffalo, excuse me, Buffalo is going to be running the wishbone offense anytime soon. So, and Brown also does not appear to profile as a third down back. So unless he shows shows up, uh, unless he somehow ends up in Dallas, I think I'm washing my hands. I really don't know what else to say. I know three Buffalo regimes ago made a trade for him, but uh, he is obviously not in their future plans. You know, Fred. Fred Jackson is there. Carlos Williams is there. Dixon is there. Oh, and they also had this guy named LaShawn McCoy at the top of the depth chart. I mean, Bryce Brown is going to be looking for a job, I think, mid-August. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely wash your hands on Mr. Bryce Brown. Uh, What do you got for us on Mike Wallace, Nick? Well, I'm going to wash my hands, and I'm a little biased. I've never really been a huge fan of him. He hasn't topped 1,000 yards since 2011. He's always been super inconsistent. He only had one 100-yard game last year, and he's going to be 29 this year, so that speed's going to go sooner than later. I would try to trade him before his speed goes. Very good point there. I was take took me a little bit by surprise on that one. Uh, that you're washing your hands. Um, so uh, next one for you. Oh, wait, for me. What do you got for me? Uh, Josh McCown, the quarterback that recently went up to Cleveland. Okay. McCown is a puzzling, very puzzling, but talented player. He always seems to find himself a job. A modern-day Tony Banks, if you will, Mod- or a favorite son <laughs> here at the podcast, Tony Banks. Uh, McCown has a cannon. Everybody says that, so I just have to assume that they're right. Like, he's got a cannon. He's a very solid back. He's seemingly now the starter in Cleveland. They've added a lot of new faces around him to hopefully make some progress in the dog pound in this passing game. He's not a long-term solution being 35-something, uh, but he is a starter. So I guess that makes him roster makes him roster worthy, you know, even even if it's not necessarily – a solid spot because he's unless you know, I suppose you could be a big fan of Johnny Manziel is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and yeah, in that case, if you own Johnny Manziel, you want to draft Josh McCown. Just trust me on that. Um, Cause if you're a fan of Johnny Manziel, the player, yeah, got some, got some hard times coming to you, but McCown with Heartline in bowl seems kind of like an expansion roster team to me, but uh I think McCown could be a decent bi-week replacement. So I am, I'm planting my flag on McCown, but I'm not going to hammer it into the ground. So planting my flag on McCown. <laughs> Can you understand what that says? That was my plant your flag graphic. Uh, uh, too many effects on that one. Uh, kind of creepy, actually. Uh, last one for you, Nick. forgot who it was. Ooh, the other Marquis, Marcus Colston. What do you got? Well, he is 32 years old. So if you're rebuilding, then probably wash your hands and try to trade him. But if you're in win-now mode, then I say plant your flag. This guy's got 14 or more games in eight of his nine seasons and went over 900 yards in all eight of those seasons. With Jimmy Graham and Kenny still gone, New Orleans could lean on him even more heavily than in the past few years. When you look at his ADP right now, he's going in the late 16th round in startups, behind guys like Steve Smith, Marquise Wilson, Justin Blackman. I mean, that's great value for a proven veteran like Colston. Yeah, great value. I mean, who's taking Blackman in front of this guy, really? <laughs> I mean, you're not even... <laughs> I mean, I, I understand the youth aspect, but uh, like you said, certainly the longest tenured wide receiver there with Drew Brees now, and uh, yeah. Um, I think we're down to the last one for me. Uh, yep, uh, Devin Hester, another Atlanta guy. Okay, well, 
seem it may seem obvious that we're going to uh you can you can almost understand that one. I'm gonna have to take the flange off of that one, I think. They did say wash your hands. But Devin Hester, come on, you're washing your hands. Um is he still a thing? I mean, is that really something that we're concerned about? Uh, okay, whatever. Does your league reward for return yards? Does any league reward for return yards? Okay, I'm in a league that does, that rewards one point for every 20 return yards. Um, but that's only because the, that, that commissioner is a real schmo. Um, I'm talking, of course, to myself. But uh, he will return kicks in Atlanta, and that is it. Harry Douglas is gone. But they brought in Leonard Hankerson and Justin Hardy. All that's all that means is what I said before. Hester is there to return kicks. I am washing my hands twice to get all the filth off of Devin Hester. So uh, that was plant your flag <laughs> or wash your hands. Um, I do want to remind everybody next week I am flying solo as Nick is setting sail across the ocean blue to uh, – find a grass skirt in Hawaii. He is moving to Hawaii, so he will not be with us next week. So uh, wish Nick safe travels. Um, I'm going to have Alan Satterley on next week, like I said earlier, and hopefully I'm going to have Scott Atkins from FF Toolbox stopping by as well, also of FantasyScout.com to talk about a contest they are doing. So make sure you check that out. Um, We have some more bold predictions for you, though, Nick. Um... Jarvis Landry catches 100 balls and over 10 TDs, but still goes under 1,000 yards. What do you think? That's tough, especially throwing in the under 1,000 yards with those numbers. I, I I can't buy that one. I think that is just a crafty statement. I, and I don't know if, it almost seems impossible that a guy could catch 100 balls. And not get a thousand yards. I, I I gotta wonder if that's ever happened. I feel like I should have been more prepared for this because <laughs> uh, it, it. I doubt it, but I'm gonna say I doubt. I doubt that's ever happened. Why not? I love it. That's a great prediction. I'm gonna say yes. That will happen. Um, oh, there's an extra. We have an extra one in here, uh, and I'm gonna let Nick go first. The Dallas Cowboys will win the Super Bowl person who posted that also posted the question about a uh, no Dallas Cowboy running back on, on the roster finishes as a top 12 back. I would think if the Cowboys were to win the Super Bowl, they would have to have an elite rusher there. So I'm going to sell that. Uh, tell that to Bill Belichick. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, I think they do it. I think they go a trifecta. Maybe, or maybe it's Lacey Seastrom. But uh, they – yeah. I don't. I don't think they win the Super Bowl. No, they will not win the Super Bowl. But I think they use all those guys. Okay, Adrian Peterson has had too much time off. Finally, has fought and finally has fought, has finally going to be caught by Father Time. Runs frustrated, impatient, and can't find his form. Finishes outside the top ten RBs in all formats. What do you think? Yeah, I'm buying this. I- Adrian Peterson, I'm not touching him right now. He's just he's on the I think he's thirty years old. If not, he's right that's right around the corner. And yeah, with the year off, sometimes guys have some rust and he's just too old to have rust and still be the same running back that we used to see. Uh, I agree. I I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he just goes out and has one more monster year, but I, I would not bet on it. That's for sure. That's for certain, excuse me. Uh Dez Bryant. It's 20 touchdowns, as he predicted last year, and finds himself the number one PPR wide receiver for the first of multiple times in his career. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll buy it that he's the number one PPR receiver this year. I could easily see that happening. 20 touchdowns, though, that's a bit steep to bet on. I, I would, you know, probably closer to 15, 17 touchdowns. Yeah, that's that's a pretty hard hard thing to predict. But these are bold predictions and uh but I'm still I'm still gonna say no. Uh yeah, even if but yeah, yeah, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> there's uh too much other things going on with him right now. But yeah, that's not gonna happen. 
Not a single 2015 rookie wide receiver breaks 1,000 yards. But Aguilar comes close. What do you think? Yeah, the, the, the numbers the rookies last year put up, I think at least one of these guys is going to break 1,000 yards. Probably Amari Cooper. Aguilar, I think, definitely also has a good chance. Uh, yeah, it's Rashard Perryman even could. Somebody's going to. There is a very strong possibility that this happens. And as much as I like this wide receiver class, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes, that happens. No rookie wide receiver hits 1,000 yards this year. Um, I think certainly some people will break 900, but I, I, and as much as I love Amari Cooper and want him to do that, I, I just don't see, I see him as the strongest possibility of that happening, but I don't see that happening for him. So I, there's nobody else that I can, uh, you know, get behind and say, yes, they're going to do that. So uh, that being said, you know, maybe Trey McBride will do it or something. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, uh, that's all we have for you. Uh, like I said, Nick will not be here next week. Um, and then after that, the following week, we will be off July 8th. So we will return July 15th after that. Uh, taking a little vacation, so I need to work a little overtime before that. So, uh, uh, But make sure you uh, tune in next week because we have Alan Satterley stopping by to just talk about whatever is on his mind. I'm sure we'll talk about his uh, bump. Speed Bumps contest as well, and then Scott Atkins from FantasyScout.com is going to be by to enlighten us about a contest that they have going on, a big money contest that they have going on over there. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Nick travels, and uh, have a good week. Uh, hate to sound like your father, but you need to maybe text me when you arrive in Hawaii so I know that you're okay. <laughs> All right, will do, Josh. Can't <laughs> wait to get back on with you in a few weeks. All right. This is what I live for, everything I've been through.